I brought to my mind during Cats in the Cradle. The first phrase Christopher ever said to me was, Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. I was busy doing the Lord's work, planning church. Christopher learns to say, Bye-bye, Daddy. Cats in the Cradle was popular when I was a sophomore in high school. 1974, Cats in the Cradle was uh, number one for two weeks on the Billboard Top 100 list and stayed in the top 10 for 15 weeks. Harry Chapin's claim to fame is about priorities. It's about uh, choices. family choices that we make. We're in a series of messages on choices. We have been since the first Sunday in, in January. And we've said that the Bible teaches us from Genesis all the way to the end of the Revelation that our life is the sum total of the choices that we make. My life is choice plus choice plus choice plus choice plus all the tens of thousands of choices that I make equal what I have right now. My life is a sum total of the choices that I make. Now, everything that, hasn't, that has happened to me in my life hasn't been my choice, but I have the choice on how I respond to everything that happens to me in my life. So it's very, very biblically correct and experientially correct to say that my life is the sum total of the choices that I've May. Now, we don't like that because we don't like the personal responsibility that that puts on our shoulders. But from the 46th verse of God's Word all the way through the end of it, He tells us that our choices have consequences. They may be eternal consequences. We've anchored this series in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Moses leader of the people of Israel at that time under God's leadership. He's a prophet of the Lord and speaking the words of the Lord in Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19. After Moses has repeated the law for the second time, repeated in Exodus, given in Exodus and then given again in Deuteronomy, he says, see, I have laid before you, I have set before you today life and death blessings and curses. I've told you how to have life. I've told you how to have death. I've told you how to be blessed. And I've told you how you will be cursed. And then our loving God, our God who's not a bystander in the sky, our God who's just not up there and spun this world into existence and wanted to know what we are going to do, our personal interactive God says to all of us, choose life. Choose life. Come on, child. Choose life. We could have anchored this many places. It would have been easy to be able to anchor this in Joshua chapter 24. Joshua is the successor to Moses as the leader of the people of Israel. Joshua is at the end of his life, and it's in the farewell address he makes to the leaders of Israel. The leaders of Israel gathered around him, and in his farewell address, you know, when, when presidents or important people make farewell address, people sit a, listen just a little bit more. They sit on the edge of their seats just a little bit. And what are the final parting words that this person had to us? And here are the parting words of the leader of Israel, Joshua. He says, choose for yourself this day whom you're going to serve. 
If you want to, if you want to serve the gods uh, across the river that your forefathers served, you can serve those. If you want to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose lands we are now living, you can serve those. But as for me and my household, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. One of the godliest things we can do to serve the Lord is to choose family. The word serve is the Hebrew word of vod. It could easily be trans translated worship. Be an equally as good translation if it was translated worship right there. As for me and my household, we will worship the Lord. And I think many times we think worship is overtly religious things. Well, we, we come to church and, and we give and we pray and we read our Bibles and we teach Sunday school. And all those things are well and good and certainly a part of worship and certainly a part of serving the Lord. But if those things are not accompanied by me making family a priority, if those things are not accompanied by me choosing family, I miss the total essence of what it means to worship God. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, if, if I say that I love God and don't love other people, Bible calls me a liar. I like that about the Bible. It's not very politically correct. <laughs> it just says right what it, you know, just it's right what it means. If, if, if I say that I love God but don't love others and the others, who, who is more closer to me than the others that would include the people that live in my very own household? Bible calls me a liar. Apostle Paul, in, in trying to mentor young Timothy for, for uh, uh, pastoring, and trying to raise up this young leader in the church, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 5, 8, he, he, he says, if, if you're not mindful of your family, if you don't provide for your family, if you don't care for your family, you repudiate the faith. And, and trying to teach a young Christian how to be a Christian and try to teach him how to be a leader in the faith, he says, if, 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 if you don't provide for your family, if you don't care for your family, if you're not mindful of your family, it would be better off for you if you hadn't even believed. You've denied the faith. Friends, from front to back, loving God is loving your family. Oh, there's a lot of other things included in that as well. But at the very top of that list, I love God by loving my family. I love God by making my family a priority. I love God by choosing family. This world that we live in is not family-friendly. This world that we live in is not family-friendly. This world that we live in does not make keeping family a priority an easy thing for us. This world that we live in does not make choosing family a, a natural and easy thing for us. Just, just the very fact of, of the economy that we have, and I'm not talking about our present economy the last few years. I'm just talking about the cost of living that we have in the United States and the cost of housing, the cost of this and the cost of that. Gasoline is three sixty-five a gallon. I mean, many, many families, many families find themselves with, with two income earners. Out of, out of necessity, many times, two incomes. This world, just the, just the ways of this world family friendly 
You, you, don't, you don't have to be too much of a student of the culture to be able to look at advertising. <laughs> to be able to look at billboards, to be able to look at magazine ads, to, to be able to look at TV commercials and be able to, to, to say that, that the corporate world does, does not do anything at all to help us be good family members, to help us to be able to keep family a priority, to help us to be able to choose family. I don't know about you, but as I see billboards, as I see magazine ads, as I see TV commercials, as I see all those things, I don't see ads that, that are, are trying to help me have eyes for my wife only. I don't, I don't see ads that, that help my wife love and respect her husband. I don't see ads that, that, that help my children to, to, to be grateful for what they have and to respect their mom and dad. I see ads that do, just do the opposite. I see advertisers that use sex and sexual content to be able, be able to sell everything from car wax to shampoo to toiletries. It's unbelievable. And, and, it, and it irritates me, hopefully in a sanctified way, it irritates me that they will appeal to my lust and to the very most base and carnal part of me to try to sell me and try to make a buck. And I won't let them do it. Abercrombie and Fitch? Calvin Klein? Are you kidding me? They will not get a penny of my money. Don't be blind to the fact this world is trying to couch you into its mold. Be mindful of the fact that the Apostle Paul and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This world is not family friendly. I don't know about you, but as a, as a, as a man who wants to be sold out to Jesus, my choices of entertainment are limited. They're limited. My choices of what to watch at 9 o'clock after the kids have gone to bed and Sue and I want to sit and watch a little TV, they're limited. They're limited. If I care about anything, about what goes on and, and goes into my head and what, what my eyes see, I just don't see TV shows that, that, that help me have eyes for my wife only. I don't see TV shows that, that help her respect her husband. Desperate housewives? Are you kidding me? You've read about the new MTV thing, Skins? Have you read about that? Don't be, don't be, don't be ignorant to that stuff. Know, know what the world is trying to be able to, 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 to couch us down into and put us down into and put our kids down into. And it's not only evil things that would, are not family-friendly. It's, it's good things sometimes that can really push us away from family. Because if, if I do what the world tells me to do, I've got to have my boys in baseball. I've got to have them in soccer. I've got to have them in basketball. I've got to have them in football. I've got to have them in swimming lessons. I've got to have them in music lessons. I've got to have them in dance. I've got to have them. And we're running around like a chicken with our head cut off. And my family time is taking kids here and taking kids here and taking kids here because that's what good parents do. Those things are all well and good. But I've learned a long time ago that you've got to wade through the good 
to get to the best. You've got to wade through all of the good to get to the best. And I worry about us that we're bowing at the altar of the good and we're missing the best. That can even happen in church. Had a pastor in my office this week crying on how the ministry has adversely affected his family. It doesn't have to be that way, but unfortunately, many times it is. Sometimes the most family friendly choice to make is not attending every single church activity that they offer. Wow, what a weird thing to say. The church offers wonderful things. Pick and choose. All the time, choosing family over church activities. I, I'm so thankful for pizza dinners and all the stuff that goes on at church and all the good and, and stuff that God is pleased with. Choose family. Choose family. So we got this family unfriendly world. How is it that we choose family? How is it we keep family a priority in all of that? Well, Joshua gave us a clue. Joshua gave us a clue. He says, as for me and my household, you know, and you all can do what you want to do. You know, world can go that way, and work can go this way. I mean, I mean, the world can go to pot. But as for me and my household, Joshua says, y'all can choose this, y'all can choose that, but as for me and my household, we will worship the Lord. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Do you hear the responsibility that that father is taking? Do you hear the responsibility in those words? He's basically saying, friend, you can do what you want to do. God bless you. I'll be nice. I'll be polite to you. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Do you hear the responsibility that Joshua is stepping up to the plate and saying, here I am, Lord. I'm going to leave my family. And as for me and my family, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Friends, one way to choose family is to step up and shoulder that responsibility that has been given to you when you chose to bring children into this world. And I'm not only talking about moms and dads. I'm talking about the need for godly grandmothers and grandfathers and, the, and godly, godly extended family. Hillary Clinton was, was right about one thing. It does take a community to raise a child. Choose family by stepping up to the plate, assuming your responsibility, not shirking it, to be able to lead, to be able to guide, to be able to direct, to be able to guide footsteps to the church, to be able to guard their hearts, to be able to mold them, to be able to form them, to be able to meld them. Step up, moms and dads. Step up, family members, to the responsibility that we have when we chose to bring children into this world. As for me and my household, We will serve the Lord. When a man and a woman choose to bring a child into this world, 
they bring into this world an eternal being. When a man and a woman choose to bring a child into this world, they bring into this world an eternal being that will spend eternity somewhere. Wow. Wow. And while our children have free will and will have to choose for themselves, don't ever underestimate the influence and impact of the home. There will be lots of people that have an influence on Christopher. There were lots of people that will have an influence on Levi. There will be lots of people that will have an impressions and, and make contributions to their life, but no one, no one will have more impact and make more of an impression and have more influence than mom and dad. Than mom and dad. And it's good and godly that other, that, that the other people have influence and you associate them to, with other people around, but no one, no one, no one will have more impact, will have more influence, will make more an impression than mom and dad. And that impression can be for good or that impression can be not good. Children can overcome that negative influence. By the grace of God, sometimes they do. But you know as well as I that the acorn doesn't fall too far from the tree. You know as well as I that what is learned and what is taught in the home stays with you. That's what Proverbs 22, 6 means. You raise up a child in the way he should go. And he won't depart from it. It's no promise that child's become a Christian, but it's a, it's a promise that you, if you're raised in a godly way, you can't shake it. You can't shake it. The basketball coach for 14 years. I used to lose a basketball game, and I, I think well, if I was living right life, I wouldn't have lost that game. <laughs> and that's bad theology, I know. God doesn't care who wins a basketball game or not. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I had to make the decision on my own. But I was, I was haunted by the upbringing I had from a godly mom and dad. I was haunted by it until I bent my knee to the truth that they taught me. The influence, the influence of the home is greater than any, any influences out there. How do you choose family? You step up to the plate and you take responsibility for the influence and the impact that you have. And you don't lay it off to the school system, whether that be public school or private school. You don't lay it off on Sunday school teachers. You, you take responsibility. We had to fight for Christopher to be retained in first grade. He was not at grade level. And the educators told us it would, it would just hurt him for the rest of his life. Which you see, was our responsibility. It was our responsibility. And he's performing at grade level now. And one of the reasons he's performing at grade level now is because of the responsibility that his mother takes who reads to him and makes him read every breakfast and every evening. It's a responsibility not to turn those things over to other people.
He's ours. He's our responsibility. It's our job to guide him and Levi and the other boys that we will have, other children that we will have in the ways of God to guard their hearts. So one day, Christopher will step up, Levi will step up, and be able to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Paul, if he doesn't do that, no matter how good of education I got him, no matter how much I put him in baseball and soccer and all those good things, it won't matter. Choose family. Taking responsibility. I, I've asked our youth pastor, Kyle, to be able to come up and, and just share from his own youth pastor experience because he sees kids in a different way than anybody else sees kids. I've asked him to share a little bit about that. I've asked him to share a little bit about his upbringing and, and how that's affected and that whole responsibility that he sees as parents, as almost parent yourself here in the community. Yeah, well, <clears throat> let me just start off by saying that my wife Stephanie's 32 weeks pregnant, and we are very excited. And I can't tell you how many people have told us, you have no idea. <laughs> you just have no idea what you're getting into and how your life is going to change. And listen, I believe you. I know I, I still don't have any understanding of that, but I do believe you. And uh, it, it's coming out just a little bit. I, I go weekly to get allergy shots. And normally, before I knew that we were going to have a kid, I would read ESP in the magazine, and I would read you know, you know, all that, that sporty kind of stuff. And now I pick up. Parenting magazine. <laughs> so I'm searching. I'm trying to figure this out. So when Mark asked me to say something about uh, the responsibilities that my parents took for me and maybe what the Bible has to say about that, I was excited to, to dive into that a little bit and learn for myself uh, some about that. So the responsibility of parenting. Um, the first thing I wanted to bring up was uh, a scripture, Psalm 127, 3 through 5. Says, sons are a heritage from the Lord, children are a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are a son born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Um, children are a gift from God. They're a gift from God. A gift is something that is given to you that you take responsibility for. Children are a gift from God. And how do we take that responsibility? Well, my dad has been telling me since I was a, a pretty young kid, he's, he's talked about the frontal lobe of the brain, and I never fully understood it, and I, I don't know that I still do because I'm not a scientist or whatever people are that study that stuff. But I did find a, uh, a really cool uh, study that was done on it. It's like the, it's a psychological group from Tennessee found this out, and I wanted to read that to you guys. Okay, this is about the frontal lobe. This may explain why teens are not equipped to make a good judgment involving drugs, sex, peer pressure, etc. This is due to the frontal lobe of the brain not being fully developed until age 25. This part of the brain is responsible for impulse control, judgment, decision making, and is involved in other functions uh, like not recognizing consequences for bad decisions. You know, that's just a study that psychologists have found to be true. Um, and it's something that my dad, he used to tell me, and he didn't say it in a, a derogatory kind of way to me. He wasn't saying, son, you're stupid. Listen to me. <laughs> you know, and not every decision I made before I was 20, well, I'm only 25 now. 
So I hope I'm at that point now where I can make wise decisions. But not every decision I've made has been a terrible decision. And not every decision that I'm going to make is going to be a good decision. But this is just further proof that children are a gift to, to their parents. They're a gift to you. And you are to take responsibility for them because medically speaking and psychologically speaking, there are times where they truly don't have the ability to make the wise, the wise judgments for themselves. So I, I wanted to also mention the scripture that talks about train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he gets older, he will not stray far from that. Um, that's Proverbs 22.6. And then in Deuteronomy, it also says... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. That word, impress them upon your children. Um, there are some things that my parents did that have left a lasting impression upon me. And those are some things that I wanted to mention to you guys today. Um, just some basic things, like the doctor's office. I didn't always want to go, but my parents made me go. <laughs> it would have been a, an unwise judgment on my part to not go to the doctor's office, but they made me go. It left a lasting impression on me. Braces. It left a lasting impression on me. <laughs> Hopefully, you can still see that today. Um, curfew is one of those things that that's a choice my parents made for me. It's not always a choice I would have made for myself. Um, my parents said, you need to be in by midnight. If, if, if you're not in by midnight, you need to call us and tell us where you're at and when we can expect you to be home. <laughs> and if I didn't make that phone call, it was not a happy time in the Lanham House. Curfew is one of those things my parents chose to choose for me. Um, some other things that left a lasting impression on me. Um, entertainment choices. As Mark mentioned earlier, there are many things out there that I can view with my eyes and hear with my ears that are going to leave a terrible impression on me. And so part of my parents' responsibility was to keep certain things from leaving that impression on me. And they, they made that choice for me many times. I knew what I was allowed to watch and what I was not allowed to watch. And the lasting impression that that has made on me is before I go to, to, to see a movie or before I, I rent a movie, um, I'll go to a website and figure out, hey, what is the content in this movie? <laughs> you know, is this something I truly want to watch? Because I don't want to be blindsided by all of this terrible stuff coming into my homes where it's now becoming my responsibility as a husband and as a soon-to-be parent to keep certain things out of my home. And so they did leave a lasting impression on me as far as entertainment choices. Family prayer. Um, this is something that just about every night my parents would pray with us. Um, it, it was a cool time. It's something that if I had a choice, I may not have always chosen to go be a part of that, but I didn't have a choice. It was, it's something that they've, they've left a lasting impression on, upon me from that. They have impressed it upon my heart that prayer is important. Um, family devotions, the same thing. We didn't do this every day. It was periodically, uh, maybe once a week, two or three times a month, but they were trying to tell me, hey, to do your devotions, to study the Word, to talk about Scripture with other people, it's very, very important. And you need to make that a part of your life. Uh, family church. Um, this was a big one because there were times when I might have a Little League game on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, and I'd go, hey, Mom and Dad, uh, can I play baseball this Wednesday night? It's just, 
it's not that often. There's not usually a game on Wednesday night. Can I go play this game? The answer was no. Um, it just wasn't an option in the house. Um, if, when it came to Wednesday night church and Sunday morning church, there was no question to where we were going to be. And the reason they did that, and it might have seemed harsh at times and extreme, but the reason they did that is they were trying to leave a lasting impression upon me that church needs to be a very high priority in your life. Church needs to be important, and it needs to, um, that priority needs to be above all other extracurricular activities. Um, I'm thankful for the impressions that my parents left upon me. I don't know that I would ask them to do anything different. I really don't. I've thought about that. I don't know that I would ask them to do anything different. I'm thankful for the impressions that they left upon me. I'm thankful for the, what some people would say were extreme choices that they made for me. I'm thankful for those things. I feel that I'm, I'm, I'm a better off person for it and, and that I am better trained to be a parent, hopefully, in, uh, in eight weeks or less. It's kind of scary. But I'm very thankful for the responsibilities that my parents took in my life. Now I know why I made a bunch of stupid choices. My frontal lobe was not fully developed. I've heard that a lot of places, but not only from, from secular psychologists to, to Christian, I've heard it. So because of that truth, what's the response that we make? Parents, we, we, we choose many times for our children. That's what responsible parents do. We choose for our children as well as teaching our children how to choose themselves. And there's a line there, and I don't know where that line is. A line is different for you than it will be for me. But there are choices that we make for our children, and there are times when we teach our children how to make good and godly choices. And I don't know. You get to be 12 or 13. There's no line you cross at a certain age. But just parents know. Parents know. In Orthodox Jewish services yesterday, the rabbi stood in front of their congregation and said, Hear, O Israel, the passage that Kyle quoted. said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's the way they start a Jewish service. Marvelous way to start a Jewish service. Any, any, any service, worship of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The text continues to say, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commandments that I give you today, it'll be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and on your foreheads. It's fascinating to me that right after God inspired the writer to be able to say, Love the Lord your God by your heart, soul, strength. Immediately, he says, impress them upon your children. Forever linking. Forever linking the love of God to family. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. These commandments I give you today will be upon your hearts. Impress them. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you're at Walmart and at Steak and Shake, when you're at the soccer field, not only when you're at church. We were at Steak and Shake yesterday. 
and somebody sitting next to, to Levi. Some elderly ladies were sitting next to Levi and making over Levi. And somebody asked him who, who he Somebody said, are you married? And I said, no, but he's got a girlfriend. And made Levi mad. About 30 seconds after, after that, I said, Levi, look at me. We're talking, we kind of were talking about who he's going to marry. And she's pretty and got blonde hair. I said, listen, Levi. Mom and dad don't care who you marry. There's only one rule we have about who you marry. She's a Christian. Blonde hair, blue eye, short, tall. We don't give a rip. It's Christian. Talk about them when you sit at home, walk along the way, when you rise up. Levi said, nobody at my school knows how to be a Christian. I'm not going to insult you today to tell you what your priorities should be in life. That's, that's a call that we all make, and you may have some differences in priorities than, than I may have, and if we numbered it 1 through 10, we wouldn't be all the same, and that's, that's good and godly. And, but on the authority of God's Word, which is the only authority that I had, Jesus was asked one day, what's the greatest priority? Wasn't he? I'm putting in my own words, but he was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love God and love other people. Love God and love other people. And our family comes at the top of that other people. stuff. I don't know what God has prompted you on today. Would you step up, moms, dads, grandparents, extended family? Would you step up and assume responsibility for the nurture, the care, the direction, what goes in their mind, what they see, what they don't see, what that comes out of their mouth? Accept responsibility. So, so, so as much as I can possibly do from a human level, we'll get to them to the point. One day they can be able to say, as Joshua did, and as their dad has, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's bow in prayer, please. Father, we were haunted by videos and, and songs like Cats in the Cradle. And we're haunted about them because we know their real life. We know that it can happen. Even to very well-meaning parents. God, I, I pray. I pray that I would love you more than I love my wife. And more than I love my kids. But that the next priority of my life would be loving and serving them. It takes priority over everything. I, I pray you'd help me with that. And don't let me just get up here and preach a pretty sermon. Help me live it. Help me to live it. I don't know how God has pricked your conscience today. I don't know how God has nudged you in an area. Would you take now a time of silent prayer and talk to the Father? 
about choosing family. Father, I pray today you would take this message and you would be able to let it settle and simmer. Let us chew on it. But more important, let us respond to it. May, may our lives be changed, not because I preached a message, but may our lives be changed, Father, because we have been encountered with the truth this morning. May we respond to that in a way that would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. One way we are responsible parents is by being good stewards of what God has given us. And from a biblical concept, we understand that all we have is from God. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. And he has asked us to return to him a tithe, 10%. And he basically says, see if I can't do more with the 90% than you could have done with the 100. And I'm only one person in this room today that can testify that he's faithful, that he's faithful. If we will trust him, if we will trust him, with the, one of the most difficult areas of our lives to trust him with. And that's why he says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing upon you that you won't have room enough for it. Take, take God's call to biblical stewardship seriously. Trust him with your wallet. Trust him. Trust him. It's not a financial issue. Trust issue. May we call our ushers to the front, please. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity to participate in your kingdom. We give back to you now what you have given to us. Pray that, you, pray that you would receive your tithe and our offerings. And would you multiply them? And would you use them to further your kingdom?